Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Good afternoon, good afternoon. Welcome to America's Heroes Group on WVON 1690 AM, the talk of Chicago. I am Vietnam veteran host Cliff Kelly. America's Heroes Group is a live streaming podcast, global platform, radio, print, and digital media broadcast show that empowers change agents through intentionally disseminating information, resources, and referrals to empower our military population. Welcome to America's Heroes Group. This is America's Heroes Group Roundtable with Clean Energy Infrastructure, partner of Zodiac Solutions, LLC. It's Saturday, December 4th, 2021. December is AIDS Awareness Month and National Human Rights Month. The host is Cliff Kelly. You just heard earlier t- early on the broadcast. I'm Sean Claiborne, the co-host. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith, and our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. And today, as we have a great show, we have a familiar voice on our radio broadcast today, Mr. Rob Howard. He's a U.S. Navy veteran and president and CEO of Zodiac Solutions, LLC. And we have a very interesting topic today. We're going to talk about the Build Back Better plan. The bill that's in, the, it's in the Congress right now that people are having a lot of questions about, very curious about, some people very anxious about. We're going to see what veteran opportunities are in that bill and also what it means for America. So, Rob, are you with us? Yes, I am. How are you doing this morning? Pretty good. Or this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's morning where you're at. <laughs> but yeah, no, so- not quite. It's just that I've been I've been digging in to not just the Build Back Better Act, but mm-hmm. also looking at the perspective from the infrastructure bill as well. And okay. I'm I'm kind of nerdy, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, you fit right in with us. So there's there's a lot of stuff we got to go through, and actually I have a, I have a lot of questions, a lot of thing of things about this bill. So there's a lot of lot of uh, pushback and a lot of con- controversy because people are concerned that the bill will increase inflation. Inflation is one thing that's going through this country right now, and it's on a lot of people's minds. So people wonder and ask the question: Why are we putting this much money, 1.75 trillion dollars, which has been a, what's been approved so far, into the economy that quite might create more inflation? And also might even hamper small businesses. And how do we pay for it? So I'm going to break, break it down step by step, this line item by line item. And you give me your thoughts and correct me if I have anything that's not accurate. Please correct me if I have anything that's not accurate. But we started off with $555 billion to fight climate change. Okay, And then $320 billion of that is in the form of tax breaks for spending money on energy-efficient upgrades, like you know, doing things like putting solar panels on your home, buying electric vehicles, maybe creating a uh, that might hopefully create some demand and energy-efficient investments and products that might lead to more innovation. That could be a positive thing that happens with this, and also this thing called the Civilian Climate Corps, which might create three hundred thousand jobs. What is your thought on that? To me, that sounds like a good thing. I think that's a, I think that's pretty pretty uh, reasonable. What are your thoughts on that particular part of it? Well, let's look at it. First of all, we we have to keep in mind it's going to have some adjustments. But when you start talking about inflation, um, for me, and this is just a personal feeling, a lot of the 
fear is because we don't, here's what happens. When we invest this type of money on regular people, the difference in the Build Back Better Act is this is an opportunity to get to regular people. When we talk energy efficiency, energy efficiency, it really has its best benefit in poor, low to moderate income community buildings that it's going to be a struggle with all the new technology with regard to solar, with regard to battery storage because of the electrical infrastructure those doing. So, one, you're going to be invested on regular folks. Uh, as we get through COVID, and I really believe we're eventually going to get through there, even as people try to push back on it, the, the challenge you have is with inflation is the fact that we are trying to jumpstart an economy that was dormant for over a year, which is going to put a lot of pressures on. And people tend to forget we lost uh, 750,000 uh, people to death due to COVID. So a, a portion of those were in the workforce. The other thing is people are transitioning out of the workforce. They spent home, spent time at home for a year. Mm-hmm. They learned how to live on maybe one income. So there's like, um, like two and a half million more people who just decided this was it. I'm done. I don't want to go out here and I don't want to risk it. So inflation is something that we're going to be addressing. The administration, I give them credit. They are digging in deep to how to do this. But some of the other things, when you start talking about the climate core, this money that is going to be invested, the difference in this and the, and say the Trump tax plan is that this money is going to be invested at the local level. The climate core those folks are going to be working. Working people pay taxes. Again, that's how you're going to be paying for it. During, when we start talking about infrastructure, keep this in mind. During a recession, studies have shown that investment into infrastructure has a four-to-one return on the investment. No We're not talking about just tax breaks. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Four-to-one. Mm-hmm. So, so when you start talking that about, so I may pay $100 million dollars, to get people to working on on roads, bridges, and other infrastructure pieces. But I'm getting a four-to-one return on that. Why? Because people are working. People are purchasing. They're paying taxes. When the economy is good, infrastructure investment is a two-to-one return. That's why it's one of, infrastructure is one of those areas where hard infrastructure you don't get an argument about. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You don't get an argument about because they all know. They have great people. I've been working with my, uh, my local congressman staff to actually start looking at this and how we can benefit veterans. And a lot of it is the veteran-owned businesses, because there's there's two categories. The veteran-owned businesses really need to start having conversations with, and I've said this before, with your local congressional staff, with your local state staff, uh, state elected official staff, and the local um, your local cities and municipalities. Because what's happening is the money's going out there. But it doesn't benefit you until we start actually working on shovel-ready projects, until we start actually hiring people for the Climate core, doing energy efficiency. If you got local nonprofits, what we did locally, for the local nonprofits that actually help with job training, uh, uh, people who to prevent recidivism back to, you know, we don't want people going back to jail. So what we're doing is we're doing that training, and that's who can do the energy efficiency. The climate mitigating activities have to be overlaid, okay? Uh, and this is the thing. People think climate is like something that's totally different. No. We still need electricity. Right. We still need power. And so what we're talking about doing is shifting from 
uh, fossil fuels over to solar, wind, hydrogen fuel storage. Looking at, I mean, there's so many, I mean, that's a whole nother conversation. So the money that is expected to be invested also, and here's one key point to it, it's also there to allow things like childcare so that people can go back to work. Right. And that's next, our, the next thing I'm going to talk bet. about too. But first let's wrap up this thing about the, about the, and we're talking about the climate because I do see that as a great opportunity. And, and to add to that, what you just said is that it's important for especially veterans to take advantage of that opportunity. It's a very small window. So when these things roll out, typically when there's large programs, things like that, there's a very small window for you to get involved at the ground level. So you can actually build prosperity, have a prosperous business, I'm not just thinking about, you know, uh, I try to think ahead, not just being a person who gets a job, but a person who becomes an entrepreneur in the process. And what you talk about, especially with the things you do with your business, that is you, have, you provide those types of tools and resources for people to become entrepreneurs in this new green energy. One of the things, you know, we talked about with China, China is trying to become the global energy, clean energy leader in the next 15, 20 years. That's our competition. We have to also step up to so this bill. I think that part of the bill I think is pretty good, but you also brought up. $400 billion going to universal pre-K, okay? So that includes free preschool for, for all people, uh, children three and four years old. Uh, also, families that earn less than $300,000 annually, for instance, will pay no more than 7% of their annual income on child care for kids under age six, according to the bill. So explain that part of it um, for what your perspective is. And that, to me, I think that's very – that seems like it's very a, a good a positive thing, something that's very, I think, um, good for the economy. I think it's going to be good for families, especially middle America, especially for low-income families. What's your thoughts on that? It, I, I am – I'm really excited about it, and here's why. If you start looking at how we can begin to um, bring – working people back into the fold Mm -hmm. it is right now i know in our area the amount of of child care facilities that just flat out shut down Mm -hmm. you have a choice if i can manage i'm weighing my budget if i don't have money for child care i'm going to stay at home that's right. Because at the end of the day i have to take care of my family so when you start talking about that pre-k and it has another long-term effect. And this is the difficulty I find typically when we're talking about federal spending or talking about just any government spending is that people do not understand that one, those investments are, what do they do in the long term? Mm -hmm. Because the people that the the legislators that are putting this into place now probably won't be around to see just how positive an effect it's going to have. And what does it do? When you talk about pre-K, young people in particular in poor and communities of concern, that pre-K gets them on the road to actually learning the things they need to learn so that they don't, because if you don't have pre-K and you start school in the kindergarten and in the first grade, here's what happens. You're already three years behind. That's right. And so, so, so that's in the long term, we have people who can be competitive and for veterans, entrepreneurs, especially now, you know, veterans are able to not only engage on when, Anytime you create new opportunities, look at the trickle down of those new opportunities. Companies like ours and other companies that we're partnering with that are doing doing solar fields, we're doing battery storage. The technology has come along to where these, these new smart batteries, you literally, they're charging uh, during the day so that you have power when the sun's not shining. Mm-hmm. Hydrogen fuel storage. You're able to also 
when you are doing this kind of work, you're putting these systems in place, but I've got workers that now need childcare. I've got workers that need lunch. I've got facilities that need these extra trickle down things like media, like advertising. And so, so veterans, the work that we come out of knowing how to do is just to work. And so the entrepreneurial veteran is able to look at, and I will tell them all, find your partners. Like I've got partners who are very good on broadband. That's not my, my number one expertise. For me, it's utility. But I have broadband partners. We work with those utility partners and those construction partners. Another part of this, this Build Back Better plan that a lot of people don't realize, they're using data speaking, which the money, when you are connected to a government contract that came out of this bill, your wages are prevailing wages. And what does that mean? That means people are going to be making a living wage for that area. Why is that critical? So now I can focus on my job and not have to worry about things like rent. Am I going to have to get two or three jobs? No. I can work this one job. I can get good at it. Employers now know because the funding is coming, I can not only hire people, I can increase that pipeline of skilled tradesmen and apprentices. So it, it, the expansion, it with, it's not like we're just giving money away and tax breaks. What's happening is you're creating an expansion that allows us to put people back to work. And so that's the, I think that's the key because when people are working and they're making the prevailing wage, they're paying taxes, now these plans begin to pay for themselves. So well, people don't like paying taxes. That one point, though. So what well, people are worried about this on the other side of it is labor shortages because if we have way too much, because we have all the, we're almost at full employment, full employment right now. Like full employment rate is at 4.1, 4.2 right now roughly. So if we're, if we're creating all these jobs, are these jobs going to be sustainable? Is it is it like is it similar to a highway project where the highway gets built, then all of a sudden you're out of work? You know, that's some, that's well, I think I think what you what you have is this bill. We're talking ten years. Okay. Parts of it have um, some five year provisions, particularly around some of the funding that they're putting into the actual VA system. They have five year provisions. But you're talking 10 years. What does that mean? People are worried about, okay, um, I spent a lot of time with the building trades. And the building trades, they say you people who work for a company are used to working. People who work and do construction with the building trades are used to looking for work. What does that mean? We get a project. We're working on that project. But the leaders are already looking downwind at what the next projects are going. And so since we have a 10-year plan, or a 10-year window of funding, we can take one. We take the shovel-ready project. So that's why I said talk to your local elected officials, find out what the – and the city managers, what are they planning and what what are the – what proposals are they putting out to do that? But then you got to move um, and be ready, and that's why your pool of connections are important. Mm-hmm. We're looking at these projects at the federal level. We have a group looking on the federal level what proposals are coming out. We got another group looking at the state level what projects and proposals are coming out, and our county and our cities. We have to do that because not all work is going to be right for us. Okay. So we have to put in the extra work, and that's the entrepreneurial piece that I don't think people recognize when they go into business. You, 
I worked twice as many hours as an entrepreneur as I did when I was working 40 hours a week That's how it works. on a job. That's how it works. You know? Yeah. But the benefits are when I want to invest in my community and I need there's something going on in my community, I can go do it because I'm dictating the schedule, not my job. Mm-hmm. So, so the time frame and the fact that a lot of these jobs, like one job beget one project begat another project. Okay. If I'm increasing my infrastructure on, on transportation, those are never one-year jobs. They're multiple-year jobs. So that gives me time to train the new workforce. That gives me time to do outreach in my community on the new workforce. And as people are retiring out, because you got a lot of people already, they're, they're less than 10 years from retiring. Every time one of them leaves, I, we, I'm a proponent of bringing them back to do training. How about you don't just leave the workforce? How about you work 20 hours a week teaching folks in our community what it's like to be an electrician and how to be an electrician, mm-hmm. a pipe fitter? And so that, those are the way, that's how you have to have a global approach to it. So, I, no, I think it's going to prime the pump of real construction work. Okay. Next thing on the on the list, we have two hundred billion for uh, for four weeks paid leave. That is something that's definitely going to change this country because a lot of developed countries already have something similar. So what that means is that right now only twenty three percent of workers have access to any paid family leave right now, which is that's that's bad. That's small. You could get up to ninety percent of your income from being a caregiver or caring for somebody who has a personal illness. So you could actually take time off of work, and this applies to people who are self-employed and business owners too. So this is that is something um, I would like to see that in the final uh, version if it once that is passed. But we'll see if this actually makes it in. So, so how does that affect employment from your perspective, being a self-employed individual? How do you see that having a have an impact on how, especially veterans who want to want to become entrepreneurs, being more prosperous and more successful? Well, when, when you when you have the ability to have paid leave, it's I look at it as gap closing um, benefits. You're closing the gap. Um, I happened at the time when my father um, um, passed. He had a, had a long bout with Alzheimer's, and and because I was on a job that actually had paid leave, it gave me the opportunity to have peace of mind as I'm caring for him. I didn't worry about harming my family and I've been able to pay rent and those stopgap measures. Cause remember with the paid leave piece, it's not like you take that whole time off at once. Mm-hmm. I might now I can go and help my, 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 the person I'm caring for with those doctor's appointments. I can help them with actually taking, okay, one day a week, I'm going to be there for them two days a week. These other ways it's flexible. And if we are a society that is not willing to care for those who need, then why are we here? So, so that paid leave piece, we, if we're going to compete with China, seriously, and we don't have an ability for the folks we have over on the front lines to be able to care, to have work-life balance, because that's what it's really about. It's about the work-life balance. It's about I can take care of my children. I can take care of my parents. We're at that point. People are living longer. Healthcare is getting better, but still in a lot of communities, the healthcare numbers are not good. We're coming out of, of, of this COVID pandemic. So paid leave is one of those areas where it's a benefit and enhancement, and it makes us as a country more competitive. The big companies have it. Small companies need it. 
and they need that government assistance because we're picking up those contracts and that work. I don't want to quit the work, so I might need some time off to be able to handle it. So that's where, I mean, a lot of these things are, it's a a value state. It's about what are our values, and that's how I look at them because, again, putting people back to work and keeping them working means they're increasing our tax revenue, which that's how we bring down the deficit, and that's how we keep our economy booming. I agree with that. So there's the last pieces of the bill that we have right now. So we have we touched on a little bit of the $200 billion for child tax credits. So that's going to be – so it's basically rolling back some of the uh, pre-pandemic or continuing some of the pre-pandemic uh, 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 gauges where we had $300 for every month per child under age 6, 250 per month for, for every child ages 6 to 17. So families don't earn enough or have some help to actually raise children, but that has a sunset attached to it from what I understand right now, meaning that it will raise out you know, over, over time. And then we also have $150 billion to expand affordable home care and also $150 billion for affordable, affordable housing. So that wraps up the entire bill from what we can account for right now. So in the last 30 seconds, we got 30 seconds left. I just wanted to go over briefly, you know, some of the things that, you know, as far as the taxes go. I looked at the tax uh, um, part of it, the part of it that finances the bill. There's a reconciliation part of the budget. So once a bill is, is put together, there's got to be some kind of reconciliation of how a thing is paid for it doesn't look that bad. I mean, it, I mean, there's going to be and so it's going to be some some adjustments. Can you talk about that in about 20 seconds? Just let us know. Like, what do you what are your thoughts on some of the taxes, the tax uh, uh, schemes used to try to raise the revenue to cover this? Well, well, I, I'll go real quick and I'll cut to the chase. I spoke with my congressman. I'm in the Congress, 49th congressional district, and I asked that very same question. And the White House is saying the way it's structured. If you're making less than $400,000, you're not paying anything. If you're making more than $400,000, you're going to start paying your first share. If we look at, at, at was it two years ago with the Trump tax plan where folks at the top got 89% of that tax break. Well, here's the thing. If we're going to be in this together, then we really need to be in this together. Us having a relationship is not I give 100%, and that's what we've asked working class people to do. So the way they structured it is like let's give some relief. The folks on the bottom get some relief with the child tax credit and other areas, and they're not paying more in taxes. And Rob, then the corporations. Rob, so that's great, Rob. So that's, that wraps up our time, and you kind of summed everything up. I appreciate everything you've done. We got it under, under the wire. This is America's Heroes Group. We'll be right back after this. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.